Hey there, this is Jason and Paul, and we encourage you to follow us on Instagram at stateofloveandtrust underscore pod, where we can continue the conversation with you. Thanks for listening. And now, let's get to the show. Hi, this is Sergio. This is Nick. This is Gabriel Z. This is Luis. I'm Lenny from Black Circle, and you're listening to the State of Love and Trust. The State of Love and Trust. The State of Love and Trust. The Pearl Jam Podcast. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the State of Love and Trust. It's a Pearl Jam podcast, and I'm one of your two hosts, Jason Carapesi. And alongside me, as always, is... I didn't hear that, Paul. Paul Gilliari. But you I didn't also, hear that? I also have my own, so don't worry about you it. You should have your own. There it is. One of these days, this podcast will hopefully be brought to you by Anderson, Anderson Valley Winter, Winter Solstice, Solstice Seasonal Ale. This free beer, please. Bring it to us. Uh, we're being laughed at right now, everybody. We're being laughed at by um, five individuals from a very hot and sticky Rio de Janeiro. Sergio Filio, uh, not Mariana Page, but Sir, but Lenny Prada, Gabriel Zusa, <laughs> Nick Magnani, Luis Caetano. Hello, boys. Black Circle in the house. Hello. Yo, what's up, guys? What's hey, up, my dude? Guys. It's so good to be back here. My goodness. When's the last time we all had you guys on? Was it a year ago? No. We had uh, Luis and Sergio on to talk uh, best guitar risk, remember? Oh, yeah, that's right. That was, that was almost a year ago, actually. That was like February of last year or this past or this year. What, what yeah. time is it? Space is a is, time is a well, I guess circle. we have to have you on more often. Yeah. Yeah. Just put up, put Problem out more writers. Anytime, brothers. <laughs> anytime. <laughs> so uh, if you didn't know, uh, Black Circle has a new album uh, either out now or out like in seconds or in days it's called pandora and we're going to talk about that and we're going to talk about pearl jam too because these guys play some pearl jam pretty pretty good i don't know um if you guys listen to the latest edition of this show uh just came out i don't know what day this is yeah yesterday as we're filming this recording this um we did a show about if you had to replace Every member in the band, let's just say Pearl Jam had a run of dates, five, six dates they had to do, and one of the members couldn't show up. Who would you replace them with? And we did everybody in the band. And we had, you had Jimmy Page in there. You have Jerry Cantrell. You have, you know, Jack Irons. We get to vocals. And both of us mentioned Lenny Prado as the best possible replacement for Eddie Vedder. I want to, I'm being serious. How do you feel about that, Lenny? It feels strange. <laughs> I just, uh, I, I'm, I don't agree with you guys. I have to be honest. <laughs> no, come on. <laughs> I, don't well, I, I had a nod to Chris Daughtry, too. You did. You did. But uh, you're yeah. like, special mention. I go, well, that's my guy. I was yeah. this is who I had. Jack Irons, John Paul Jones on bass, Phil X on lead guitar, Tom Bukovac on rhythm guitar, and Lenny fucking Prado. And I would that, be singing with those guys. That's a <laughs> come on. Okay. I don't think any singing would be coming out of my mouth, but that's cool. Uh, thank you so much. I appreciate that. Seriously. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, um, you don't have to expand on it. If you don't I, I, I don't know. I, I just don't know what to say, but thank you. Thank you. I had to point it out. I had to point it out. Um, <laughs> so I mentioned, we're talking about songwriting. We're talking about the new album. We're talking about Pearl James inspiration of these things. 
uh, I'm gonna jump right into this. There are some pretty direct messages about how we treat each other in society and how we treat our earth on this album. You've got songs like Plura, Indigo Child, Lucky Perfects, All Lies, Consequence, many, most of the songs. And, you know, we're all big, huge Pearl Jam fans here. How much do you think their social conscience inspired you to have a similar outlook and drive to write that on this album? Um, uh, well, f- for me to answer that, I, I would have to talk about Mercury, Mercury a little bit. Um, Please do. When, when, you know, when I wrote songs, the songs that I wrote for Mercury, they were very personal. They were about experiences and, and situations that I lived. And um, I, it felt a little, it felt a little um, selfish of me to do the same thing in the second record. So I wanted to, uh, I wanted to talk about other stuff. I wanted to talk about society and, you know, uh, how people have been behaving recently and maybe uh, try, try to get out of my, you know, my, my, my bubble and uh, look around and, and see what I could approach. And um, if I could maybe reach uh, people that way, you know, uh, of course, people will always relate to your, to feelings of sadness about relationships and love that went wrong for, you know, for a while. But uh, maybe I wanted to talk to, you know, people in a different, to have a different conversation with people. And uh, that, that's how, you know, my ideas uh, came. Let's, let's talk about other stuff. Let's, let's get out of this little room a little bit and, and maybe reach other people and talk about other subjects. And that's, of course, uh, inspired by Pearl Jam amongst other bands, because, uh, um, you know, these issues, these problems, they are, they are reality, they're happening. And uh, if, you, if you can use your music to, you know, maybe tell people that you know that they're happening and that they should know and they, they should do something about it. So uh, if you're using music to do that as a tool, so I think it's a great thing. And yes, of course, uh, Gigaton was a huge inspiration. Mm. <laughs> so I'm curious, guys. Um, you know, Nick, you and Lenny wrote the majority of the lyrics for this album. I know Luis and Sergio contributed as well on a few of these. Uh, but by and large, it was, it was a group effort with this. When, when you think about Pearl Jam and the evolution of their band process, take an album like No Code, where it was very Ed-driven, you know, everything kind of flowed through Eddie, and you transition that into something like Yield, for example, and really all the way through Gigaton, similar in that way as well, where it's more of a collaborative effort and everyone's kind of bringing something to the table. Did you guys intentionally go into songwriting wanting to be more collaborative or did it just organically happen that way? Um, for some of the songs I wrote, uh, they came up really organically. And uh, I, I tried to, to focus on on some of the the issues that we were living by that time and of course we we were talking about uh covid pandemics and everything else and climate change but um i also try to bring some some other aspects of our society and even though talk even even though we were talking about a a, a pandemic a, a disease there that's affecting the the whole world I also tried to to put some light on on the other stuff that uh, maybe is not so um, highlighted 
on on other songs or or uh, by the society for for example um i believe it's uh it's plural yeah plural plural is about uh, covid it's about the pandemics but it's not about dying by itself it's not about uh the disease itself it's about uh living uh, being a place in a, in a in a bad situation in a hospital and you were suffering of this disease but as at the same time you're thinking what you're going to do when you leave the hospital uh, what you're going to do with the your with your life after this battle after winning this battle and um talking about um indigo child it's about uh attention deficit and uh hyperactivity disorder something about that and uh Well, it's something important that we, on the everyday life, we don't don't think about too much. And uh, I try, I also try to 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 bring those those subjects to the songs and try to give a, a different approach of them. So in Indigo Child, we're talking about changing the world, uh, making it better, and uh, but at the same time, uh, we're talking about a, a, a disease. So I, I try to take a look at, on different point points of view inside the same subject, and uh, I believe progen, and maybe it's not um, intentional or it could be intentional, but sometimes we have uh, a lot of so uh, progen songs that they talk about something specific, and um, the fans and the, everybody who listens to it and identifies themselves with the songs. They kind of change their the meanings to something that, uh, let's say it's a uh, it's something from their life. So just a an example that I think it's classical, uh, alive. We all know what it's all about, but I believe that uh, alive has a, a different meaning for each one of us, for some reason or some uh, situation of of our lives, and uh, I think this is uh, the most beautiful thing. On music and uh, in general arts, so uh, I try to to put all those things to uh, in uh, the same uh, in the same melting pot and and try to see what we could we could uh, create within these subjects. Um, I try to fit some parts of the, the the instruments and anything else, or even the the way Lenny sang any song. I tried to fit on this subject. So, for example, uh, the song Indigo Child, since it was about a, a mental disorder, and Gabriel can correct me if I'm wrong, since it's a mental disorder, I asked the guys, uh, Sergio and, and Luis, to try to change a little bit the way they were playing the guitars and try to to sound a little, a little bit more, uh, I wouldn't say crazy, but a little bit more... Um, Out of the comfort zone. Out of, yeah, yeah. A little bit more raw. Out of, yeah, exactly. So uh, I think this kind of, uh, this kind of uh, change of point of view, it was very interesting. And you can, you can uh, listen to it. You can see that when you're playing the song, but it's something that uh, it, it stays on the backstage. No one knows that. Only you guys know that. Do you think it was important to start the record off with, please, let's take a walk outside? 
<laughs> yeah, that was, yeah, that was a coincidence. Come on, let's not pretend that we did it on purpose. <laughs> yeah, I know there were some there were some um, track listing changes over the last. Yeah, few no, weeks, no, yeah, like, there were. There were. But that, Plural was it, always the first, I guess. It was always supposed to be the the, the opener. Am I uh, right, guys? Yeah, yeah. We we talked about having consequence opening the album, right? But uh, but then we. We moved oh, away from that idea pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah, when, when I listened to that one, that felt like a closer for sure. Um, I was thinking well, you, you guys closed it with Dragon or a Consequence, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, do you guys tend to gravitate towards songs that have more cooks in the kitchen, more more collaborators? And does that do you think that makes a song better or more fulfilling to play, knowing that you've all had a part in it? I think it. I think it makes it better. I mean, <clears throat> we know that the. I, I. We can't know, so we don't. We don't know. But uh, there are songs uh, with Pearl Jam. Uh, we we can tell that there were songs that Eddie wrote, and then at the end they they probably didn't change that much. So they were kind of his vision in the end. Uh, but uh, there are songs in which you you can tell that the, the whole band worked on, even if they didn't write it. But they kind of, they, I think they were more free to, you know, to create. Um, and these are the songs that, that I think that probably are the most special ones for me, even though I really like what, whatever Eddie writes and, and creates. But uh, these songs, they, they feel more um, complex in a way, um, instruments, instrument wise. So I, I tend to like those songs more. And you could feel the same uh, about Chris Cornell and Soundgarden. It's the yeah. same, the same relationship. Mm. I hear I hear yeah. songs in in Soundgarden albums that's clearly uh, written um, the vast majority by Chris. As you know, it's, Cameron, but, it, yeah. it's funny you say that. When I think about a track like this, "Broken Man," when Jason and I first heard this, I remember we both looked at each other, and I I, I felt shades of that. I felt shades of, of that cornell sound that sound garden sound and i was curious just in terms of of instrumentation because you brought that up lenny as well you, know, you, you guys you're no strangers to adding in instruments that are outside of of uh of your comfort zone for example normal bass guitar and drums you guys have had harmonica horns mandolin keys variety of other instruments on an album like mercury and I, I see that this is happening again with the new record as well. Is this really important to you? Is this like a driving force in terms of trying to expand what it is that you guys do with your sound? Is it is it cultural or is it just kind of uh, this desire to just add new flavors to, to the tracks? Are there specific Pearl Jam songs per se that maybe inspired you guys to want to kind of hop outside of that comfort zone that I'm talking about? Similar to the way that maybe Eddie does with a pump organ on a song like River Cross or uh, with the accordion on Bugs or even a song like Smile where Jeff will drop the guitar and pick up uh, or the bass part may pick up a guitar, Stone will pick up the bass and so on. I think I'm the guilty one for this, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, but it's, but it's good guilty. <clears throat> um, I, I can't lie to you. Uh, this uh, this way of thinking the arrangements um, has little to do with Progen because uh, I 
I think it has uh, more to do with Silverchair than Pearl Jam itself. Mm. Oh, like a diorama, a diorama of. album. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because, uh, but, but, but not because of Silverchair. But um, I think uh, when we are doing a record, uh, we need to to do the best uh, we can to to. To, to, to grab the best of the songs itself and the arrangements. And um, much of uh, those extra instruments we put on the records, on both records, uh, they came to my mind the exact same time we were rehearsing in the room, uh, just all of us five. So um, I can... You just hear them coming in your head while you guys are playing? Yeah, totally. So, does anybody uh, else think that way? By the way, I don't mean to cut you off. Like Gabriel, Louis, do you guys hear genius, other man. instruments when you're when you're th playing a song? A new song? It's yeah, very I rare, think, I guess. Yeah, yeah. For me, a lot of the times, yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't say when we're playing, but after we we listen to the demos that we record. Uh, while we're playing, uh, it doesn't happen for me, but uh, when we are listening, because you know there are many. You guys know. Uh, so there, there are many versions of demos and recordings, right? Mm -hmm. Before we actually, we actually go to, to record. So uh, I, I, I usually tell the guys this, this would be good with if we added here some, little bit of something different here. Maybe you know, not not piano, but we could have some kind of, usually voices. <laughs> but um, yeah, I would say that these things they come to me after, not not when we're playing like genius sergio but <clears throat> what's the wackiest instrument you guys did not include like was luis like i want a kazoo in here <laughs> wackiest that we did not include yes holy shit uh a maybe uh a, a cajon the what yeah a cajon how uh, do i say that in english it's that, it's that percussion thing that you sit on it. And you, and then you, you sit on it and you just yeah. play oh. it as it's your, it's like a. It's like that box drum thing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah this the one. Spanish yeah. percussion, the Spanish percussion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That would have been cool. Well, Joe just Googled it. Uh, we. Oh, uh, <laughs> I hate the sound of that thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, me too, man. I've been right to there, many, many beach parties and this thing is always there. It's you like know, a ghost of that, all that of comes you, to hunt me. <laughs> <laughs> of all of you, I would expect if anybody's going to go to a drum circle, it's going to be Luis. I don't know why, but you seem like the one that would go to a drum circle. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. probably I'm the, I'm the one in the band that, that would be right up there. Maybe Gabriel as well. No, actually, that's true. Gabriel's got the shaman's pose when he's playing on the, uh, on the live streams. So I have to imagine you're just chilling yourself, right? <laughs> Anything you want to add, Gabriel? He's too busy chuckling to himself. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. Yeah, I was, I'm trying to, to convince my uh, my wife to play, I don't know how to say that, clarinet? Clarinet, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she plays it and trying to convince her to record something someday, but she's not. Uh, In some woodwinds? Comfortable yet. So I love my, a good reed instrument. There, there is, there is a clarinet on the record on the on the the horns part of really uh, Broken Man, yeah. Oh. So you had the clarinet on the album, and you didn't get Gabriel's wife to do it. Yeah, because they're not real clarinets. Oh, <laughs> come on! They couldn't afford her. Did actually? Did anybody 
Um, you had two guys on the previous record. Were they on this record too? I, I, their names escaped me. I'm sorry. They are. They are. The two guys that played with us in the first record. No, no. Okay. No, and no. There's a third one, no? No, no. Uh, Wagner didn't play on, on, on Pandora. Neither Fred Chico, the harmonica guy. They, oh, they yeah, both didn't play. Yeah. Oh, really? That's true. But 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 we had a trumpetist mm -hmm. uh, and and Guilherme, which is the, the same guy who played uh banjo and mandolin on Mercury. He also played uh mandolin on Pandora. That's awesome. And, and most of the the keyboards. Okay, Luis and Sergio. You guys contributed lyrics on this record. And I don't believe, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think you guys were on the first record, right? No. I, I did contribute to, to some lyrics for Disarray on the first you album. Did. Okay. So, oh, yeah, yeah. The first, the first, yeah. That's true. Um, we did an episode on our favorite non-Eddie written songs, lyrically speaking, of course. And it seemed that sometimes the songs that are about common topics um, written by someone else really shown because that person has been saving up all their best stuff for their big chance to have a song with their lyrics. <laughs> Did either of you guys kind of feel like that with, with the songs that you're credited on here? No, to me, to me, I didn't feel this way because, uh, I, I, uh, I feel like I, uh, kind of win some writer's block I've been having from the last 10 years. <laughs> wow. So I, I, I've, I've written some, uh, some uh, small parts of Disarray lyrics, but uh, contributing to what Nick uh, has had previously written. So I just uh, add some parts on the, on the lyrics. Uh, Consequences, the first one that I uh, wrote start, start to finish in in years, I, I can't remember the last time I did this. I was much younger. Were you, were so, you, were you like nervous that you put together an entire song? No, no, uh, because it was very, uh, very natural in some way. Uh, because uh, I, I just, I, I remember the days I, uh, I remember the days I, I was uh, writing Consequence. I just had uh, Lenny's demo playing the melody which which was uh which ended not being the exact the exact same melody he he played but but i i wrote the lyrics uh upon his his uh melody uh and i i remember i i i don't remember if i sent him or if i if i sent well, him did. unfinished yeah yeah i did you did finish it and then i finished the the last uh verses but since we were, uh, I think it, we were locked down at that point. Uh, so I think we weren't meeting ourselves uh, regularly. So I sent him via the internet and that it was. So it was uh, very comfortable in terms of uh, exposing myself. Well, well, you know, just in thinking about this as a two-part question, one part for Gabriel and the others for the rest of you, only a true poet could win the heart of a clarinet player. So why does Gabriel not have lyrics on this album? Come on, Gabriel. That's the question for you, Gabe. And the question to all the rest of you is, why, why did you make that mistake? 
<laughs> That's good journalism. <laughs> and, he, and he's the most philosophical one in the group. So yeah, no, I assume so. He must have yeah. some brilliant thoughts, Gabriel. I mean, put him on pen to paper. Let's go. Yeah, it's kind of actually it's kind of hard for me. I, I like I, th I think a lot, but uh, uh, I need like somebody else to work with. I, and I actually didn't have much of this time. Sadly, I wanted to contribute more, but at, at the same time, the this poetry part is not regular to me. You get all the B-sides, Gabriel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think sometimes I, I spend too, too much time thinking and, and this doesn't go on the paper like a song or music. It's like thinking about it, working out, trying to understand everything that's behind the the, the lyrics, the, the harmonics, the... So, I don't know, I but, got kind of lost and I just don't put that on paper, I guess. But he did give a lot of input because um, if, I, if I can uh, meddle here, is that we, uh, English is not our first language. So um, sometimes there are doubts uh, mm. uh, about if we're <clears throat> actually being able to convey what we want to. So um, Gabriel was very helpful throughout the album because uh, when we, we, we had a few doubts with Indigo, uh, not, not Indigo, I think it was Modern Life, Modern Life, and uh, we didn't know if we, what we were saying was sounding as we wanted it to sound for, for the people who actually spoke English. So, uh, and I remember him coming up with a lot of suggestions for, for some parts. So that's, that's something I remember. And other stuff too. He didn't want me to say, I remember that. Uh, when we were uh, recording Puzzle, I don't know if you remember that, Gabriel. And then he said, why are you saying I'd rather be a puzzle than a boar? Do people say that? Like, 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 a, like a pig boar? No, like a boar. Like, know. like to know. be boring. <laughs> yeah. 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 Boring and then he was like, yeah, man, that word exists, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, actually, so. I, I love this. So this is a Nick line from Open Letter that struck me when I, when I was reading the lyrics. Hard as the steel and cold as the ice. The fact that you use the word the before steel and ice. It's not just steel mm -hmm. and ice. It's the steel, the ice. Like yeah. you wouldn't normally say that in, in conversation, but to word it that way, it was very interesting. It was that a conscious choice, Nick, or was it just part of the, you know, English as a second language kind of thing? Happy accident. Uh, yeah, it was a happy accident. <laughs> and actually, <laughs> I, I changed the lyrics of this part by uh, at the end of the of this the end of the chorus, the last chorus. Uh, I remember that I first wrote something like "rip up the steel," and yeah. uh, somebody said that? that it doesn't make sense in English. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> and I said, "Well, oh, fucking, that that's a that's a shame because I I thought it would be great, but okay, I changed it. I, I didn't I didn't <laughs> as as Lenny said it as since English is not our first language, there's no problem for me to change it uh, unless it doesn't uh, it doesn't. Uh, change the meaning of the song or it loses the, the meaning that I was trying to to pass when uh, I wrote the, the, the lyric but uh, this is uh, an example of that in the modern life we had to change the the, the right now I don't remember exactly what I wrote but this the the, the version that was uh, on the CD on the album uh, was totally changed which part and I yeah. had to do it because it doesn't make make any sense in English 
Um, oh, it's, when it's uh, all about when a you, dance, when right? you waste, Yeah, when, uh, when, you, when you... Yeah, the first thing I wrote was, when it's all about a dance, when it's all about a face. And uh, everyone told me, oh, man, this doesn't make any sense in English. <laughs> and uh, I, I had to change it to when you are alive... Uh, I forgot. <laughs> I forgot <laughs> what I wrote. You waste your time on it for days, that one? Yeah. Oh, my yeah, God. Days. He knows the lyrics better than we do, Nick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We <laughs> don't rehearse true. that so much. Yeah. No, it's, it's because we were, trying, so we were trying to convey that. Uh, I mean, this is, this is a reality here in Brazil, basically, right, Nick, is that people get famous because they have a pretty face or they have, you know, they, they dance on TikTok and stuff like that. So... <laughs> Uh, Nick did, Nick was trying to convey that, you know, it's all about the face and it's all about the dance. And, uh, at the time we didn't think it was like the, the right words to say. It wasn't very, it wasn't, it wasn't exactly what, you know, the idea was one thing and the lyrics were not exactly what the idea was. So we changed it a little bit. Uh, and this is something that, you know, it's, it's good that, that we're very comfortable to talk about each other's lyrics and uh you know this is this is very important especially because as we said before it's not our first language so we could make mistakes at any time do you yeah the, you, but um, the, the go ahead uh, sorry sorry uh the central idea of this chorus was actually to to put some light on the the futile behavior people have not uh specifically on dancing or anything like that so i just changed it to another thing that it's uh It's a futile thing for me, which is uh, you're pointing fingers at other people and uh, you waste your time hating people instead of just living your life in peace. So uh, the, the central idea of that was not changed, but uh, I had to change the, the lyrics a little bit. <laughs> the lyrics, they're, they're so foundational to good songwriting. Let's talk about some of these lyrics here. I'm, I'm going to throw a lyric to you guys. And uh, just just speak to it, okay? There's a moment we should all think about who we are between the sky and the ground. Talk to me a little bit about uh, about that set there. Oh man, this is this is about this is about when you're when you're about to die, and uh, and you start to to rethink uh, for everything in your life, and. Uh, Actually, that happened to me once, and uh, not not I was about to die, but um, it was a, a very hard moment of my life, and I tried to mix this time this specific situation with the pandemics, and I tried to put myself on the on everyone's uh, who uh, everyone's shoes, uh, everyone I mean uh, the people who was suffering from the disease. So I tried to to mix those feelings and. Um, And try to to make uh, kind of uh, uh, not not a refresher, but something to to overwhelm, you know. So we have to to get over it and uh, and go ahead, and we're gonna win this battle. And the way it happened to me, it happened to a lot of people. Unfortunately, it didn't happen to a not uh, to a lot of people as well. But those who could uh, Who could manage and could win this this battle against COVID and any other disease? Uh, um, these verses were were for for them somehow. And in a lot of ways too, I think that works as a segue to this set of lyrics. You mentioned the idea of wasting energy and time on hates. 
have lines here. When your mind is set to hate, you waste your time on it for days. Yeah. Is that yeah. kind of the impetus for that as well? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, when we, uh, when I was writing the song specific, the song specifically the song, some other verses of the, the first part, they are actually, um, meant to, to fit this idea of wasting time, hating people or pointing finger at other men, as I wrote in a specific part and how st stupid this is in my opinion, of course. So uh, people, they, uh, people are always trying to, to point finger at other men instead of knowing them better and, uh, and blaming everyone else and, uh, and as well as hating everyone else. And they just uh, stop uh, living their lives. And for me, this is the biggest mistake anyone could, could do. Just, just let, let's live our lives and all you need is love. <laughs> <laughs> Did you watch the Beals documentary? Is that why it's on your brain? Get it back. Oh, Serge is going to start to cry. Yeah. All eight hours. I, I have watched it. it. It's a long one. Uh, I have another lyric for you. I think this is a non-Nick one too. I believe it might be, might be Lenny. Your poems are nothing but words in your truth. Well, it's fragile and finite. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, um, that's basically uh, the, when you, when you have a hard time trusting someone, uh, it all, when you have trust issues, uh, whatever comes to you sounds like a lie. sounds like something that's made up. And, uh, maybe the person just wanted to make it very clear to the other person that they're not going to buy it. So flowers, anyone can buy flowers and, you know, any lie can become true. If you, the truth, if you, if you say it a bunch of times and you believe it to be true. So Maybe that's that's what I meant there. That that, that real issue with uh, trusting and believing. Maybe I don't know. Maybe maybe the person had been to a lot of bad shit in the past. So uh, in the past, so it's hard for them to believe that something good is actually happening. Here's another one. I've been sharing my gold with the rich and pretentious. Somehow I just need to be mentioned or to be remembered. Oh. That that's uh, the part of my lyrics, but that's Luis's song. And thank you for that song, actually, Luis. It's one of my favorites. In the album. I, I chose that one specifically because I knew Luis was on that one, so I wanted to get take <laughs> since you were a co-writer, my friend. I um, well, that that one is uh, I think uh, my dear acceptance that used to be called. What did it used to be called, guys? Uh, painting forgotten. picture with water. Yeah, painting pictures uh, mm. with water. Um, that that's i think the title says it all it's about different angles different situations in which uh people are trying to be accepted in a group you know inside to be part of a group and uh, that part is about wasting uh your your best on people who don't deserve it and uh maybe you're going to stick around anyway because you want to be accepted there's a lot of um difficult relationships in Pearl Jam's music that screams better man to me right off the bat. Um, yeah. I'm curious if, if you have to circle back to our favorite band of all time, uh, just for a second. Uh, does it, do you think something like that subconsciously enters your brain? Cause like I said, at the very top, so many of these themes and even the way you've constructed songs and how, um, 
uh, eclectic the sounds are, especially compared to Mercury. Looking at it through the Pearl Jam lens or prism, I could see where I'm writing a song, I'm going to be subconsciously um, triggered or influenced by something like that and write a song in the vein of someone not being taken care of by another or a bad relationship in that in that regards. Do you, do you think that that's possible or do you kind of just say this is part of my lexicon and it, and it might be there, but it's more just about what I've experienced? Yeah, it's very possible. I mean, uh, when, when, I'm, when I write a song, I'm usually listening to uh, that same, uh, to a same artist over and over that week, probably. You know, puzzle happened. I was listening to Glenn Hansard a lot. I was just going to ask about that. So, <laughs> <laughs> and and then uh, it it kind of it gets into you somehow. I don't know how it happens, but it doesn't. That's the magic about it. You know, uh, it just uh, it speaks to you, and maybe it makes you wonder about your stuff, about your relationships, and you know how they are, and maybe how they ended, or where you want them to go. And uh, it's kind of like you're you're continuing a conversation that someone else started, basically. Yeah, I, I want to second that. You know, we grew up listening to those big guys there, so sure enough, they have a, a huge influence on our way of see, what, understanding the world, watching the world. It, it has a, the lyrics have a major impact on us, on everyone. Uh, it resonates with our soul in some kind of way. So it shows out we we end up saying uh, expressing a lot of things similarly because we we feel similarly we we read similarly so it's, it's all there. Yeah, and it's it's kind of hard for you to debate with your idols because you tend to you tend to agree with most of the things they say. So <laughs> it, it it ends up being as you know like. Not a collaboration directly, but you know, like Eddie did with uh, with Love Boat. It's already been sung, but it can be said enough. All you need is love. So to me, that was a, he was mentioning the Beatles, probably I don't know, but it's like uh, someone said something about it. A lot of people said something about the the necessity, the need for love, and uh, I'm just gonna add a few lines here, a few more lines uh, uh, about it. That's. Sometimes that happens to me when I'm writing a song, like, okay, this is a beautiful song and I have a few do stuff to add. Maybe if I were, if we were, if I was talking to that person, that idol, that person who wrote that song that maybe was an inspiration, these are the things that I probably would have brought up. Mm. And there are, and there are some uh, practical problems uh, that we keep uh, facing uh, 20 years, 30 years later. So when I wrote Consequence about uh, climate change and I feel, well, I, I am writing a climate change song in 2020. So what, what went wrong all this time? Uh, Lucky Perfects uh, tells the story of a homeless man. So why are we still talking about homeless people in, in 2021? No kidding. That's, that's because we're facing the same problems. So uh, despite the the uh, human relationships and human relations uh, to each other, we still have the social problems and the, the the global problems that that are the same for the last thirty years at least. Mm -hmm. uh, so so that, that's why we still need to write love songs, uh, climate change songs, uh, 
and homeless man, homeless people songs. So. I'm curious when we think about an album like Gigaton, it, it does a nice job of balancing the personal with the political and uh, a review of Pearl Jam's album said that it was musically, it was their most musically inventive album since yield. And it was their most incensed album since avocado. And it was through those themes that it was arguably their most needed album right now of their career. And when I think about some of the themes that, that you guys are exploring too, when it comes to climate change and the pandemic and so on, you know, Gigaton came out in March of 2020. So in, in many ways, the music was recorded before we were hit with this pandemic. But a lot of those themes were somehow offshoots of that. In, in some ways, I almost view Pandora as a logical extension of the themes that Gigaton talks about. And it's through the lens of the pandemic. Do you guys feel a certain level of, of necessity with your songwriting? Do you feel that as an album and as songwriters, as you grow as a band listening to how evolved Pearl Jam is at this stage in their careers, how, how does that influence your songwriting? Because it's, it's not often that a band and an album, obviously Pandora is not your, it's not your first album, but it's also not your eighth or ninth album, right? And you guys are incorporating all this musical ingenuity into your songwriting. Uh, and that's happening for you at a relatively young stage for you guys as, as bandmates and, and as a group, whereas it took Pearl Jam decades to reach certain stages like that. So I, I'm curious, how do you, how do you feel that, that Pearl Jam's evolution and an album like Gigaton might be uh, influencing or having an impact on the way that you guys and your dynamic as a band grows and evolves? Um. I would say that uh, I think just like in life, the 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 older you grow, the less shallow you want to sound. You don't want to, you, you know, you, you want to be in the right conversations. You want to have the right input, and uh, so I, I guess that happens with songwriting as well. And that's what happened with Pearl Jam. Uh, I think the first two or maybe I don't know three records. Most of the songs were about relationships and love, and you know, uh, trying to heal wounds. And uh, after that, they try to they try to experiment, and and then other kinds of lyrics uh, came, and and then the whole thing about um, politics that probably I, it's always been there. But uh, I think Avocado was a very political album, um, and then after that, climate change. So it's like it's like you're evolving. You're trying. It's not that you're not being selfish. You're not talking about yourself anymore. That maybe that's. That's not the focus. I don't want to be selfish. I want to talk about other stuff and I want to talk about the world and I want to help protect the world and, you know, get people's awareness. Uh, but it's, it's kind of an evolution in the sense of there are other things that might be bigger than me, you know? So I, I want to talk about these things. Yes. It's about perspective. I'm not the center of the world and not, you know, I've told my story already, so let, let's talk about other stuff that, you know, should be more important than the things I, I talked about when I was younger. I don't know. Luis and Sergio, I just want to say that uh, between the two of you, there was a lot of face-melting solos in this record. I just want to put that out there. So <laughs> feel, feel free to <laughs> talk about how, how great your solos were. Go on, Luis. Okay, first of all, let me just say 
that I'm impressed. I mean, I'm not impressed, but uh, it makes me feel so good that you guys really listen to the album and the insights that you're bringing. It's like insane. Yeah. I never heard anyone talk about our stuff like that. So, so we don't talk about. You listen to us talk about Pearl Jam. Did you expect anything less? You know us. (laughs) (laughs) We kind of dive into it. (laughs) That's just awesome. So uh, about the guitar process, um, there's a solo in pretty much every song, at least one solo. But that that was not something that we planned uh, because. I'm, I'm going to get back to something we, we all talked about in the beginning of the show. The process was different this time. So I guess this is key to, to, to the results, to ask how things came out. So having a lot of solos is not something, I don't think it's something that we, we consciously like, hey, this song is great, but let's add a solo. I don't think there was ever a moment like that. Things just came out with, the solos, you know, um, and about that, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go like further and talk about not only the solos, but the guitars in general, uh, to my extent, I try to, I like, I, I usually like to stretch chords a little bit, not too much, but, uh, I also try to find places where I can put like ninth chords or six chords, stuff like that to create a different vibe. You know, and uh, Sergio got this new pedal that that has a lot of crazy textures. And I think that added so much flavor to some of the songs because there were some guitar parts, mainly the things that he did, that when you're listening for the first time, you're like, "Mm, is that really a guitar? Like, is that a synth? Mm -hmm. But what's what's you got to really sit back and pay attention to what's going on to to understand that that's a guitar part. You know, and I, and I mean that in the, the best way possible. So uh, whatever, whatever it is that we that we we recorded, uh, it is really. Uh, it's like a picture of that phase. We didn't plan that out. You know, we just took a picture of those six months that we were together in the room writing songs, you know, I'm going to guess that what you're talking about, that pedal is what I hear during the verse in my right ear during open letter. Uh, I'm getting a thumbs up from Sergio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That yeah. too, that too, yeah, yeah. It's real funky sounding. It sounds kind of thin, reverby. Like it's almost not a guitar. I very much noticed that. Anyways, we could, we could talk about guitar for all. Yeah, yeah, you got boys. that right. <clears throat> anyway, uh, we've kept you guys here long enough. Uh, it's been damn near an hour and you boys are up very, very late um, to be on the show with us. And we, we love you for it. Um, dude, I'm loving this conversation. <laughs> I'm loving this conversation. Yeah. Well, dude, we could talk about it for fucking I don't know, another five hours. Right? Um, so everybody can get the album at what black circle BC.com. Yeah. Uh, black circle BC.com. Uh, you go to the store. I mean, we have the, the Brazilian store. We call it Loja. That's the translation for store. And then if you want to buy it, uh, you got to go straight to store. Just make sure that you go there. So uh, we're shipping uh, Pandora's uh, to the U.S. right now. And uh, you will get them straight from Krista Corner. Krista. Right. I'm going to get a package from Pittsburgh. All right. 
Fantastic. <laughs> uh, so, and also, it'll be on uh, streaming services next month, correct? Mm, I don't Joe? think so. I no? think it's going to. No. Uh, I've think... been lied to? <laughs> Sergio, we, come on, man. We change our uh, minds sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, you're like the weather in Brazil. I'm, I'm editing this well, part out. I'm like an idiot. We, we, we need to we need to release the album in February because it's carnival here. So ah, we have to. Oh man, <laughs> I'm right. joking. So uh, <laughs> the, the the thing is, uh, since we are a needy band, we don't have a record label doing things for us, and right. all the stuff we do is done by us. So uh, we we need to plan lots of things. And lots of things that we planned, they get out of control. So <laughs> since, <laughs> since, yeah. we, since we returned to the stages, which is a very good thing, mm -hmm. uh, some, some uh, album release plans uh, were uh, taken by the wind. <laughs> so um, we are going to release the album on streaming platforms, but... Um, it's it's better if you can uh, have a hard afford copy. the album. Yeah. yeah, have a hard copy or have a digital copy because uh, these are um, the 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 money we can make selling uh, hard copies are very important to us. We're not pro gen, so uh, we cannot uh, uh, care less about album sales. So if you can. Please help us buying a hard copy of the album or a digital download, which is much more affordable. I have an idea. How about instead of rating, reviewing, and subscribing to this podcast, dear listener, you go get yourself a copy of Pandora. Absolutely. I can't you do <laughs> both. Do both. I was going to say that. Do both. But if, they, if you only had like five seconds, just click, 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 boom. I'd rather it be to buy Pandora, which, by the way, the more of those that you buy, the sooner they come to the United States and play in front of your fucking face and melt it off. That is super so, true. Maybe just do that. That's the plan. Yeah. That's yeah, the plan. yeah. That'd be that cool. The plan. Guys, Gentlemen, we cannot thank you enough for your time. Thank you. No, no, we can't we thank, thank you thank enough. You. Yeah. 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 You guys we are can. amazing. What you guys, what you guys awesome. do is what you guys, what you guys do, the way that we sit around and drink beer and talk about music. <laughs> Anderson Valley winter solstice, Lenny. <laughs> yeah. What's can't that? wait. Can't wait to do this in person. Oh, oh yeah, that would yes. be great. We are long overdue, gentlemen. Yeah. happen. You guys come here. We we do. You guys do a show. Obviously, it's fucking great. And then we come over to one of our houses and have like a five-hour just rap sesh. But we will record the whole thing while we're drinking and talking, and that'll be like the, the podcast course. and our podcast. <laughs> that yeah, sounds like I can have some guitars and play some songs. Yeah, that would be great. And Gabriel will write all the lyrics for it. Yeah. <laughs> 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 can you? And I don't know if you guys know how much Brazilians do like beer. So I'm, yeah. I'm aware. <laughs> and party. Especially some Brazilian and party. guys like and party. Yeah. Na na named Luis Caetano oh. and <laughs> Sergio Filho. My, my goodness. Okay. Uh, all right. Thank you uh, for coming out again. And um, we'll talk to you all next time. Thank you, guys. Thanks, man. For, Thanks sure, for everything, Jason. guys. Thanks, Thank Jason and Paul. Thank you, guys. You guys Always sick. a pleasure, gents. And to conclude that interview, we are going to play a track from the new album, Pandora. It's a track that some of you have not heard yet. Actually, none of you have heard it yet because they didn't play it at their last live stream. And it's not their single. This is a song that Paul and I heard a few weeks back, and it's tremendous. This is called This Broken Man. Enjoy. Enjoy. 
right. Those guys are amazing. Of course. As always. Let's uh, let's get to our lyric of the week. All right, Paul, lyric of the week this week. We're going to the binaural era. And we're going with light years. Paul light years what do you got you know it's this it, it's a fascinating thing to think about this idea of relationships being part of the fabric of the cosmos and I've always loved the packaging of binaural mm. it, it's always been the most compelling to me on a lot of levels and uh, just there's an existential element to that and I'm not saying binaural is this grand existential album, but when you think about lyrics like this together, but we were miles apart, every inch between us becomes light years. Now it's amazing how close in proximity you can be to someone and yet how simultaneously far apart you can be at the same time on, on a lot, a lot of levels. Um, you know, whether it's, it's perspective, um, opinion, emotional investment, political stance. It's, uh, I, I, Harken back to that film from the early 2000s crash where, um, mm. you know, Haggis writes in the script how we have to literally crash into each other to, to, to remember who that, that we're not alone, you know, to feel again and, 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 and to recognize that there's other people around us. No time to be void or save up one life. You've got to spend it all. And it's this idea of currency, this, this, this need to, um, to spend the life that you have, that doesn't mean to waste it or to spend it frivolously, but you have to live it because if, if not, it, it, you can't, A, you can't take it with you and it becomes essentially a currency lost. And it, it's, it's like a, a, it's like a ticket you never cashed in. You mm. know what I mean? You get these coupons to spend on uh, roller coaster rides and then you come home and you realize, Oh God, I forgot I had 15 of them still in my back pocket. You know, that's not the way you want to live life. Um, but it's, it's the idea of awakened regrets. And I think that's a profound way to look at regret yeah. is that it, it never sleeps. It's always awake. And, and if you, if, if they become awakened after you found a way to suppress them, the, their ability to haunt is, is unrivaled on so many levels. So I, I, I think it's a beautiful set of lyrics and uh, it's, it's one of the finer tracks on the album. Um, I think the, the production has always been interesting to me. You know, in the binaural demo sessions, we we have a, kind of a demo of that. It was it was a puzzles and games. I forget mm -hmm. what the what it was called at the mm -hmm. time. And uh, and I thought that was an apropos way to look at it as well. Just the games that we play and the, the puzzles that we find ourselves so intricately entwined amongst ourselves and betwixt each other, and how we do it to ourselves. <laughs> you know, it's it's it's, uh, it's quagmire, my man. Well, I've always loved this song. I love the message. Um, I don't know if this was the intention. But this idea that two people, maybe maybe they had a fight or falling out. I've always kind of seen that as part of it. Perhaps romantic relationship could have been just you know good friends or family member. But hearing that they've passed and wishing you'd have made up with them, hence the regrets line. That that one always yeah. really sticks out to me. 
Um, and I think it's, it, it's very apropos now. I think many people have seen, and we just passed 800,000 people who have died of COVID in this country alone uh, just this past week. Um, so many people have, have felt uh, the passing of people. And, and some of those were people that never got to say, I'm sorry to, or I, I forgive you or whatever the case may or be. Or I miss you. Yeah. Or I miss you. Uh, because we weren't allowed to be near anybody for a while. Yeah. And um, I think, I, I, I guess basically, however, physically far apart that they were um, before, the subject feels exponentially further now considering that the other person is gone. So, you know, if you're, if you're, you know, only a mile away from somebody, but you can't see them, it feels like fucking forever. Um and I think that friend or, or whoever, family member who, who's gone reminds them that you have to live life to the fullest. You said it. You, you can't have regrets you, for yourself or for your relationships. You have to spend every second on this planet wisely. It's funny enough, I, I could see this song actually fitting well on Riot Act, considering yeah, some of the other themes um, no question. on there, including our essential song, I Am Mine. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think this song always, you know, this was this was a single and it, it didn't ever feel like a single when it came out but at the same no, time it, it has it has some depth to it that is you don't really get a, get a lot of depth from a single but at the same time the depth is so um uh recognizable and and relatable this this feeling of 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 regret and and longing for someone who's gone that you never got a chance to say goodbye to in the proper way i think I don't know if it was a smart single release, but I think it's a brilliant song. And I think that between Mike and Eddie, they did a fabulous job of, of telling this side of, of sadness. So let's go to our live cut of the week. Back to the binaural era. Where are we going for light years? We are going to Indianapolis, Indiana, August 18th, 2000.
So, uh, this this particular version here, I got to be honest with you, man. I, I I've always found the binaural bootlegs to be inaccessible in some regards. I, I always felt that a lot of the um, the guitar sound was that they just kind of had, had one. It, sometimes it felt like it was just one mode, and it's just play every song in that that tuning. <laughs> it's like, and, and you got to a point where it's like, God, every song just like just unplug for a second, or or you know, go clean for for a track. It just had this like semi distorted, just kind of uh, feel to it. And and I, I don't know what they were going for with that, but with a song like Light Years, I, I felt like this, there was a crispness to this particular version, and uh, there were some dynamics. I'm not talking about the the uh, the binaural dynamics in, in terms of the recording process that they went through in the studio i'm talking about this idea that you have a song like light years and you, you think about the layers and the nuance within the sound quality uh, particularly as it comes to uh the transition in the bridge and the way that the chorus sounds with the guitars and it it, it, it had a bit more of an ethereal nature to to it in terms of performance and sound so this version has always just stood out to me and it, it, it's my preferred version if I had to pick one. And believe me, there's a lot of them from that mm -hmm. tour, but uh, this has always been the one that uh, I've always found to be my go-to. Well, 91 times been played and yeah, most of those, a lot of those are from that tour. This one is, um, it's played a little bit faster and with a little bit more aggression than I'm used to hearing it, which actually throws, because it always kind of sounds, I don't want to say dainty, but it sounds... Um, Somewhat, it's wistful. It, yeah, yeah, it has, a, it has like a, a waltz feel to it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> On the record, which I like. But there also is something about hearing it in this manner. And I wonder if being a mere six weeks after Roskilde, that that had any effect on how they played it. I actually, um, we did an episode on uh, Eddie's Audible. I am mine recently. And in that episode, Eddie talks about um, the impetus for I Am Mine, the song, being the night before their first U.S. show, and really their first show since they canceled the last couple of dates on the European leg just about a month before, and that was Virginia Beach. I went back and, and listened to Virginia Beach because I hadn't listened to it in maybe ever, and there's something to that show. It's got a lot of interesting vibes to it, and they play it there too, Light Years, that is, and it has a similar kind of feel. It's got this like they know they're singing it for a reason now yeah. playing it for a more specific reason than what they recorded it for. And I think that comes through here because this is only a few days later, right. um, 15 days later to be exact. So I, I did really like this version. Um, and that's all I can say really guys. Thank you very much for listening. And uh, thank you again to black circle, uh, Lenny, Luis, um, uh, Sergio, Nick, and Gabrielle for coming on. It was very light uh, in the evening in Rio when they joined us. So thank you. And thank you to their families for, for letting us do yes. that. Yes. <laughs> Huge shout out there. Um, so go ahead, pick up uh, a copy of their new record called Pandora. I'm, I think it's out now, actually. And it's at blackcirclebc.com. Uh, also, if you're in the giving mood, please feel free to give us a like, a rate the, rate, rate the episode. Rate, no, rate the show. Rate the pod. Rate the, rate the show, uh, leave a review, and then subscribe to the channel, and then also like us and stuff. Basically, just do all these nice things for us, because you know why? It, tis it, the season. Tis the fucking season. Christmas is like now, or yesterday, or four days from now, whenever uh, you're listening to this. And um, 
yeah, that would be very nice of you. So, you know, just, just you know, Uncle Jason and Uncle Paul here. Just, it'd be, be nice to you do that for yeah, us. Yeah, be nice. It'd yeah. be nice. Well, until we talk to you the next time, gang, have a lovely Christmas if you celebrate the damn thing. And uh, until next time, you've been listening to The Merry State of Love and Trust. Yeah.